like I'm fresh out the water. Put that on my daughter, I'm dripping mystique. Pin to the pad of my author and marathon jogger, been running for weeks. Yeah, I tell no lies, my eyes in the prize. You lose by choosing to blink. I found a treasure by taking on pressure and pushing myself to the brink. Looked in the mirror to tell me that I'ma be wealthy. I said I concur. Welcome to City Chapters Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby J. This is chapter four with James Pacotas. Yes, sir. AKA Just James. Hey. James was born in Spokane, but he was raised in Nespelum, Washington. Yes, sir. Uh, he's a member of the Colville Confederated Tribes. He's a storyteller using music, film, poetry, and spoken word as a medium. He's the owner of New Age Warriors with T.S. The Solution, who was just on um, for Chapter 2. He's the owner of Film Indigenous with Ben Alex Dupree. He's a member of Didat, which is an international touring fusion band mixing multiple music styles. He's a consulting producer with the <laughs> Alliance for Media Arts and Culture. He's a community engagement producer with Nia Taro. Mm. I mean, that's just a list of few, just to keep our intro somewhat short for the man. Mm-hmm. He has awards from First People's Funds Artist and Business Leadership Award Fellow. He has an award from Native American Music Award for Best rap hip-hop video entitled Break These Chains featuring Tony Louie and Big D. The videographers on that were John Crown, Don James, and Rich Williams. Audio engineer, T.S. The Solution. The guy. Western Arts Alliance Advancing Indigenous Performance Award Fellow. Mm-hmm. And then another award for from L.A. Skins Fest. For achievement in animation for a film entitled Sister Wolves, produced with partner Ben Alex Dupree from Film Indigenous. Mm-hmm. We're not done though. What? Just recently. But wait, there's more. Yes, sir. There is more. We have <laughs> awards for history by Tony Louie, which was directed by James Pacotis. Um. The awards were from Wondrous Stories Film Festival in London, UK for Best Inspirational Film and Vesuvius International Film Festival in Italy uh, for Best Debut Short Film. Supervising Sound Editor, T.S. The Solution. The guy, he just keeps coming out. <laughs> and Audio Engineer was Wave Beats. Yeah. So, wow, that, that was by far... One <laughs> one intro for our, our podcast. We've been I, busy, man. We've been yeah, busy. Busy. You know? Yeah. So yeah. what's up, James, man? I'm I'm super stoked to have I'm, you here, bro. I'm really happy to be here with you, man. We've been talking for years now. Shout out to TS again for even introducing us. Yeah. And I remember when we ate for sushi up on the South Hill when we first met, bro. Mm-hmm. It was just like it was a smooth conversation, but I could see like from the eyes, the way you carry yourself, the way we engaged each other in conversation, that there was this like, I don't know, like a not like a positive mindset, but like a mindset that that we all, all of us, me, you, and TS, we wanted to create impact. We want to create change in our communities and everything around us. So really, 
it's really been a pleasure rocking with you these last few years, bro. Like for real, I I appreciate you greatly. And thank you for having me on the show, especially episode number four. For all you don't know, I'm, I'm native and and four is a very sacred number to us. So I'm happy to be on that, on that number four as well. Really? Yeah. Yes, sir. That's awesome, man. Cause, uh, some events transpired to uh, allow or not allow, but for James to be here today. Um, so that's kind of mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, step in. Yeah, and I'm big on numbers. Like universe is my number, you yep. know. So I am too. I, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm big in numerology. I'm a master yeah. number twenty-two. So you know, it comes down twenty-two is broken down into a master builder, which is a four. So mm. like these things are coming together, my guy. Yeah, I'm big into those, <laughs> those things as well. So yeah, that's really funny to learn that now. Yeah, man. That, that kind of was universally organized for us to happen this way so that's right how it kind of it's always been with us you know so it's beautiful it keeps going that way so yeah thank you for inviting me guy yeah man i I can't wait to dig into your story and let's dig in i'm ready i'm ready yeah (laughs) so let's start with your backstory um we like to let people know how they got their foundation you know and how that was built you know through the tough times I know that um, growing up wasn't an easy road for you, you no, know. So no. uh, you were born in Spokane, but right. raised in Nespelum. No. So go ahead and tell us just grow- how you grew up. and Yeah, early early stories. time I was, you know, I was, I was kind of raised like in my first, you know, three to five years or something. I was raised, you know, all over the map. My mom was still trying to get her college degree. So I spent some time out here in Spokane. Um, we eventually settled, settled in Cooley Dam, which is like this little corner on the edge of our reservation, about maybe like 14 miles out of Nespelum, mm-hmm. you know, and, and really my foundation is family, um, whether whether, whether through trauma or whether through resilience, both of my foundations are in family. Uh, when I was a little boy, you know, from like three years on all the way up till maybe like 11 or something, I was sexually abused mm. by two of my older cousins, you know, and um, it's a hard thing to talk about, but I believe a necessary thing to talk about, especially uh, in America or maybe even in the world, I don't know, uh, but especially in America, we've been conditioned and especially in native men. We've been conditioned to believe that, uh, you know, we're not supposed to share our lives. We're supposed to carry this weight because we're these strong warriors. Right. And we got people that are losing their lives. We've got people that are that are that are going crazy. We got people, you know, suffering from depression and anxiety and alcohol abuse, drug abuse, all of these things. Right. It's from this like conditioned belief that that. Uh, we don't need to let anybody into our problems. You know what I'm saying? We need to carry this ourselves. We need to carry this weight because that's what warriors do, right? And it's keeping us isolated as native men. Mm-hmm. So it's something that's like a huge, uh, like point of mine or a huge passion of mine to talk about is, uh, is, is going through trauma or moving through trauma. A lot of people, um, like to say, with trauma, uh, you know, get over it, you know, it happened in the past. It's just not who you are anymore, but really it's like, uh, I was, I was, I was in sweat. I was praying with some of my brothers back home and, uh, my brother had lost his son, you know, to drunk driving when he was in high school. And, uh, we talked about like, uh, getting through or getting over it, you know? And he was like, it's been 20 years, man. I'm, you know, what was his name? uh, Uh, Bryson. Bryson Marchand, you know, and uh, mm. he passed away. He's a 
basketball all-star, you know? So he was this, uh, this light for our peoples. And, uh, he passed far too soon, you know, and we were sitting there sweating and he was like, you know, people always say, or I have this thought of like, when are you, when are you going to get over it? You know? And it's like, uh, there is no getting over it. There's, 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 there's carrying it with me and moving through it, yeah. you know? And it's like this, uh, we think of healing. Yeah. And it's not some linear, like, Oh, I'm, I'm here and I'm unhealed. And then, and then I'm going to be unhealed or I'm going to be, I'm going to be healed. I'm unhealed. Yeah. Now I'm moving to healing. Right. Yeah. But really like my whole belief system is we move through our whole life. And like, like when you die, maybe you're healed, but maybe. there's maybe, yeah. you know, but as you go through life, like we've, we've got heat, we got to, and especially as native people, there's something that, uh, a lot of people don't talk about and is now finally starting to be talked about as intergenerational trauma, right? Mm -hmm. So there's like this, this trauma that we carry that's not mine, mm -hmm. that is carried down genetically mm -hmm. from being oppressed for 500 years, you know, like sure. genocide, murder, relocation, uh, um, imprisonment, imprisonment. Yeah. That's really like, what it was. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then just pure yeah. murder, you know, yeah. rape and torture, all yeah. of these things, it's right. Disgusting. It's like, you know, our, our, our mothers yeah. and fathers carried that in their genes because it was such like anxiety, yeah. depression, all of these things was in their blood yeah, it's and having stored these kids in DNA. It's stored, it's stored yeah. in our DNA. So it's like a beautiful, a beautiful concept I have now is like mm. moving through the trauma healing. Right. And as I heal, my ancestors do the same. You know, mm -hmm. so I'm healing my past, I'm yeah. healing my present and I'm healing my future. Right. Mm -hmm. Because I'm breaking that cycle, mm -hmm. which creates a better life for our young ones. Maybe they don't have to deal with that abuse. If I'm talking about it in a school, yeah. maybe that, maybe that little kid doesn't have to deal with it or maybe they don't keep quiet about it. I yeah. didn't tell anybody about that abuse until I was sitting in federal prison and I was trying to heal. This is 30 years old. I carried this my whole life. Mm. turned into alcoholism it turned into drug abuse it turned into just being just a just a thief and like just not not a good person you know and all it was like i wasn't a bad person i just had a bunch of unhealed trauma yeah. you know what i'm saying and it's it's hard you know, to turn into a good person when you come from the, that kind of trauma it really is you know and like that's what i don't think a lot of people understand when they look down their nose at people that are living harsh lives they don't really understand right. what they've been through right. and to go through those kinds of things and turn out to be okay and good is right. damn near impossible. It really is. They only a very few could go through things like that and turn out. Okay. Like that percentage is so small. Right. And I, that's funny cause moving, you were talking about moving forward, moving on. Uh, there was a comparison in a book I was reading this morning. It was about wolves, but the comparison is about how wolves compare to us, you know? Yeah. And, um, moving on versus versus moving forward, you know, and that the difference of the terminology, right. like moving on is being like, you need to just forget it and move on, you know, moving mm -hmm. forward is like, no, I'm dealing with this. I'm moving forward right. as I learn how to cope with this, how to deal with this, how to learn the lessons that I need to from this, you right. know? Um, right. And it's big. Yeah. Like our, our self-talk and all that is so yeah. huge. Like our bot, like that thing, that moving on that, like, okay, you may be able to put it out in your mind, but your body does not forget. No. You know what I'm saying? It does not know the difference. So that's why like me, like I'm really trying to change my self-talk. Cause that like my whole life, because of that abuse, I was always talking like, man, you ain't shit. You ain't yeah. nobody. You don't, you don't deserve love. 
Yeah. You, nobody loves you. Like mm. this, like, man, like genetically, my body does not know the difference between a joke and a lie. Right. Mm. So when I speak that out loud, my body internalizes that. Right. And now I've got, and I'm carrying it in my stomach, in my arm, in these places that are, that are, that are not healthy, that are, that need, that need healing. Right. And this is where I'm storing it. Mm. And, and my body doesn't know the difference. So now it's like, I was reading somewhere about, about self-talk and me saying, oh man, if I'm, if I do something wrong, I say, oh, I'm stupid or, oh man, I don't deserve love or they don't love me. I don't deserve it anyway. I don't deserve success. My body doesn't know the difference between that and believes me. So now like all the time, like if, that's my big, like I'm a motivational speaker in some points, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm an artist and I do these things and I tell stories, but I'm still trying to fight that low self-esteem from my childhood even yeah. today dog so oh, yeah it's like that 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 positive you. self-talk is a way for me to rewire my brain mm-hmm. so that my body will will believe me again yeah. you know so i i yeah. i've learned you know i've known about affirmations for a long time and i definitely deal with a lot of negative thought patterns and like one thing that's really helped me out within the last like six months is that I've really dedicated myself to saying thank you for a day, you know, Mm -hmm. like, thank you. Like even when the bad shit happens or, you know, I'm like, just thank you for getting me through. Thank you. When I wake up, just saying thank you, you know, and another thing is affirmations. I've mentioned one time before, it was just a term that I created, but I'll tell myself like, I'm healthy, I'm strong. I got it going on. Right. And I'll just say that over and over. Anytime something negative in my head pops up, I just keep saying that to myself. You know what I mean? Just to quiet the bullshit down. Beautiful. Well, so you were, you were facing being abused right as a child by by two older cousins right so it's yeah man that was a it was a really difficult time because my mom knew something was going on like i'm i'm the type that wears my emotion on my sleeves yeah so i was just i was acting out at school um i was having accidents in my pants and stuff so there was all these like external signs that something was going on right but there's all these fear. Like I was, I was a little boy, you know, and, yeah. and it's something I had to, I have to come to terms with myself in the, in the self forgiveness, right. Was this like wondering why I didn't say nothing, you know? And I, and I think back and it was like, I had all these thoughts in my head. Like, well, what if, what if I tell my mom and she doesn't believe me? Or like, what if I tell her and she thinks less of me? Or what if I tell her and she sides with them. I mean, we're family, right? And there's all these yeah. like warring things that just kept it. Or what if, what if uh, I tell her and, and they get in trouble and then they hurt me, you know, and they were older. So there's like mm-hmm. all these different things that kept me quiet as a little boy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it, and it, and it, and it went into, uh, went into like attention seeking behavior. So that's something I have to really keep track of my own mind now is like, am I doing things for the right reasons? I'm always checking my motives and things. Am I doing this for the clout? Am I doing this for attention or am I doing this for a vision? Am I doing this for impact? Am I doing this, uh, to create a better life for myself, a better thought pattern, a better, a better way of feeling in comfortable in my own skin. Right. Mm. So 
I've been fighting that my whole life and how like my saving grace was, was sports. You know, I really went into sports in the middle school, in high school, was a highly touted athlete for football, basketball, went to state in tennis, like kind of a weird one to go yeah. to state in, yeah, you know, yeah, but, but tennis yeah. is hard, yo. <laughs> it's, it is hard. You know, I, I went to, uh, I was, I was blessed. I, I, I was good. I was always good at writing, you know, I don't mm. know why, but sixth, seventh grade, I was writing poetry and different things, like just trying to express myself, express my thoughts. And, uh, mm. I wrote this letter trying to get into this, you know, Gonzaga prep right here in, in Spokane. Like yeah. I'm from the res, like, yeah. and, and, and I was being bullied a lot because of the accidents and because of my attitude and all this. I wasn't, it was, I was, I was in a bad spot, you know, and I felt like I just needed to get out, get away. And, uh, they awarded two Native American scholarships because at Gonzaga prep, it's a, it's a private Christian or Catholic high school. Right. And it's like, you gotta, you gotta pay tuition. You gotta, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's pretty hardcore, but they had to. Two opportunities yeah. for for two natives to get their tuition paid for, and uh, I wrote an essay and I, and I got awarded. And my mom and I moved out to Spokane, you know, and uh, and it's where I really started to find myself. And I remember going to baseball practice uh, my freshman year, and realized like this is a four A school. I come from this little one A school, you know, on the res, and I'm like, yo, I don't even have a strong enough arm to ever think of making it here. Let me just try a different sport because all I want to do is play, right? Yeah. And then just picked up a tennis racket and bam, it was like an instant thing. Right. Mm. And, uh, that was my solace in high school, like, uh, uh, football in the fall, basketball in the winter, tennis in the spring, and then summer ball league, you know? So that, that, that's what, that's how I coped, you know, that's how I coped with all that abuse, all that stuff that was going on in my head. And then I graduated and I didn't have that support, you know? So that's why I, I, I really, uh, another strong point I want to bring up all the time is the importance of community, yeah. right? And that community that we have around us, whether it's like family or this external community that you have in Spokane or whatever city you come from, or like that external family of the people that you run across. Like I call you my brother now, right? Because yeah. we rock with each other so heavily, man. I love you, bro. Mm. And that's like an external part of my family. And I, that's, that's as close to me as family. And for me, that's building community in a powerful way, right? And that's something that I carried on after it was my way of healing through trauma, you know, yeah. and after high school, not having that support, not having, uh, that, that like schedule, not having the influence from others around me trying to do positive things. Uh, the easiest way was, was, was drinking for me, you know, it was like this, this veil that, that I could, I could quiet down the mind. I could, I could have that little bit of courage to talk to girls or talk to people, not having that, oh man, you, you ain't nothing. You don't deserve this. You don't deserve that. Cause that, that noise can be so loud that it takes us away from our own truth, our own center. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so that noise was always loud at that early age, 17, 18, 19, Were you angry at that 20. age? Did you deal with a lot um, of anger? I think I always have, and I've always said, no, I don't, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm really kind all the time, Yeah, but I got a lot of PTSD and, yeah. uh, uh, it doesn't take very much for me to get irritated or angry really quick. Mm. And I've just found ways to, to, to cope with it. But, mm. um, I, I, I would, uh, you know, even up to, to today. If people ask me on any other podcast or any other conversations, I would say, no, I don't got no anger issues. But I'm asking at that but time. I've, at that time? Um, like when you were young, 19, were you drinking because nah. you were like, 
you know, screw, you know, uh, I was, screw this I was, world. I was like, drinking I more depression, you know, like yeah. trying to, trying to, it wasn't, it wasn't so much out of anger. Just kind of helped numb you up. Yeah, but the you numbing. Yeah, exactly. The it numbing. wasn't to like, um, fuel the fire necessarily. Cause yeah. I like at that age for me, I like, I was, had a lot of hatred in my heart, a lot of anger in my heart. I think I would drink to like fuel that hatred and that fire to make me more of a monster. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, and, I just and to, to be like, to be like, you know, that dude or whatever too. Right. Like, but it was never really me, you know, I just, but at that time I was like, just ready to get with whatever, you know mm. what I mean? And in, in a moment's notice, yeah, I was, dang, I was for sure dangerous and i don't and you know like dangerous to others but dangerous to myself you know and i'm not saying i'm like dangerous like i mess anybody up like certainly people got messed up and i got messed up too you know by other people but it was just part of that that whole mentality of you know you you have that kind of emotion you draw that kind of energy towards you you know right, so right right um anyway i was just curious yeah. how you were processing that think, at that time at that age for I think me mine yeah. was was about uh wanting to fit in you mm-hmm. know because i had that beautiful community of like whether what whatever sport we were doing all their parents were there there was all this like there was community you know and it was happiness mm-hmm. and all this stuff and mm-hmm. i get out of high school i don't have none of that yeah. and i'm just like well let me go out and hang out with some friends or something and then i was like oh once you moved to Spokane, you really were able to grow and, and you weren't affected by as much trauma during that, that time frame. I don't know what it was, man. Everything woke up, man. I went to, I went like just getting away. I think it was getting away to that, of that environment and those memories and whatever was triggering me every day because the accident stopped. Everything stopped. Yeah. Like I, and you know, I I hear a lot of people, man. They say like when somebody wants to move away to get away, they're like, "Oh, you're just running from your problems." Sometimes you need to run from your problems. Yeah. So individuals that think like, "Oh, making a move or doing something different isn't going to change things for you," is not true. You know, you're right. a prime example of that. You right. felt like if I could get away, if I could get into this school, this could help my life, change my right. life, and that same bullshit bullying and all that didn't follow you you know so it's like you know like i I can't stand when people want to use that phrase i don't even know how that came about where people are like oh you're just trying to run from your problems your problems follow you everywhere no they don't right if you if you go with the same energy and the same attitude and do the same bullshit right you know in your case internal stuff you were more dealing with being a victim at that time but in in your heart and your who you really are it wasn't a victim you aren't mm-hmm. a victim that's no. not who you are right. and once you made that move and reclaimed your own power right you ceased to become a victim that's it you know and that's so it. so that's cool to, that's that's that's, cool that's a know. cool awareness yeah. for me too because I, I don't really talk about it much but i did have a victim mindset you know and yeah. even into my adulthood you know you oh, see I, like I have. The things that, that, that have transpired, we'll get into like the life that transpired as an adult, but that was yeah. like living that victim mindset. So it's cool to be able to have a different mindset today. You yeah. Know? You know, and it's funny because a lot of people I think have such a skewed vision on what a victim mindset is. Like I've had a victim mindset 
for a long time. And I don't think anybody would ever look at me and, and think mm -hmm. that, you know, yeah. but the way that I think internally and the ways that I would keep myself down, which no other person may see in me, but I was having victim thoughts, you know, like yeah. it's hard to explain um, in, in a short time because I want to keep moving on things with you. But like a victim mindset comes in many different forms, you know, okay. and a lot of people may not even be aware that they do have a victim mindset. But as soon as you can realize like even minor thoughts that are negative, that is a victim mindset. Yeah. If you're having negative thoughts of any level of yourself, like you have a victim mindset, right? You can be a victim to yourself, big time. You know, and so I like, think that's where that's all where my trauma transpired. I that, yeah, that's where all mine yeah. transpired, bro. Was from my own victim mentality. You know, it was like yeah. at, early on, you were saying I just needed to get it away. It was actually mm -hmm. the external environment where it was hitting me from all levels, yeah. and then I that developed something inside of me that I just kept it with me and it kept living inside of me. So it was like, I was like all this stuff that happened into an adult, the environment was, was not victimizing me anymore. Mm -hmm. It was me saying, Oh, I don't deserve it anyway. Like, of course, why wouldn't I get drunk and, and get blacked out? Look yeah. at me, look what happened to me, like screaming yeah. to the world. Like, yeah. That's why uh, I was wondering if you were dealing with anger and, being, I mean, you would have every reason to hate this world going through things like that, you know? Yeah. So, and that's, you know, and that's uh, uh, another source of, of like community because yeah. like even, even that man, there's been some, it's been difficult being in relationship with some of my family on that side for sure because of that sever. And it's like, it, it went into every facet of some of my aunties and my uncles. Like they never did nothing to me. And there's like this wall yeah. because of it, you know, but yeah. them still trying my community of native people, not giving up to me, like, or not giving up on me. Like that's been everything to me, like switching the mindset, you know, they've helped me hmm. that external that, that, that held me down. Hmm. And then, that same community that I held in bondage through the carrying out of my own trauma as an adult mm. was that same community that lifted me back up yeah. when I was ready to, yeah. to, to, to live a new way, to think a new way. And it's, man, everything to is me is it, community. Is it common for that kind of thing to happen in the native community? Unfortunately, oh, man. I've like, heard unfortunately, that. Like, it is, you, isn't it? Let's, let's talk, like, if we want to talk statistics, you want to talk yeah. about, um, Depression, alcoholism, substance abuse, suicide, domestic violence, um, um, all these different things across the board uh, mm -hmm. are exponentially higher than uh, any other race. Yeah. Um, you want to talk about even suicide. Um, the next the next percentage that he's even that he's even close to us is is african americans and they're at like 14% and we're a whopping like 27 or 28% right so it's like wow. doubling any other you know so it's uh and that's where i we talked about at the beginning that intergenerational trauma these things stem like people are like oh that stuff happened hundreds of years ago but you still see domestic violence in our own households you see uh sexual abuse and molestation from dads and moms and uncles and aunties in their own house, if not going out externally at parties and stuff like that stuff happening, substance abuse, suicide, suicide ideation. These are all of the same source of intergenerational trauma. These are all like, we need to heal from what happened to us in our past. So it's like 
this whole like bringing it alive in our own communities, bringing it alive in our own schools and teaching the education behind what happened to our peoples is important for our own people to heal. So the wiping of the history books and changing the history and stuff is not helping our native people heal. We yeah. need to know the truth mm-hmm. so that we can know, like, if we don't know, then we don't, we don't know how to heal. Mm-hmm. So that's very massively important for me. So that's why I, I, I do a lot of, of education in, in, in schools about, the healing from what happened to us in our past, right. the speaking of our own truth, finding that safe community of people we can speak about mm-hmm. and using that as an outlet to speak about what's going on in your own life. Right. Yeah. Cause I didn't have that. I didn't model that. And the alcoholism, the drug abuse, the going to jail, the four felonies, the going to prison, the accident that almost killed me. All of these things came from me not having an outlet. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's the biggest thing, whether it's art, whether it's sports, whether it's writing, whether it's whatever, like use that as a, as a way to express yourself, express your truth mm-hmm. because you hold that stuff in. It'll eat you alive. It's, it's mm-hmm. eating both of us alive. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 It's heavy. Mm-hmm. It's heavy. Um, is, is it is molestation common too on with on the res? Um, yeah, that, like a lot of people something? don't want to talk about it, but yeah. yeah, it is. You know, it really is. You know, it's like sexual yeah. abuse and, and I know and that. If, that think might. about missing and murdered indigenous women is 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 something that is racking our communities that 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 are are our news syndicates, our police forces, our federal agencies are just now like starting to little bit address, but. There's, there's no awareness. There's no, uh, there's no like trying to help us find our women, find our young boys and girls and children that are being taken, that are being hurt, that are being oppressed. And, uh, and these are, these are, these are issues that are, that are very prevalent in our native communities and, Mm -hmm. and, and, and that we're trying to, we're trying to seek help for, you know? So, yeah. And for me, I've always, like we've talked about, I've always respected and been very interested in Native culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand being a white man, I need to understand and be respectful about how I respect your culture, mm-hmm. you know, but that's why I love that me and you became friends because now I get to really learn about your culture mm-hmm. and figure out in the future how I can be more involved with city chapters. We have something that we've been talking about mm-hmm. behind the scenes, which just know we're brewing something between us two, uh, but we're not going to release anything yet um it. because it's when it does come it's going to be done at the highest level right possible. me you and me you yeah. and tony too we yeah. gotta bring tony, tony in on really, that as well yeah, yeah. so we there's something that we're brewing. working on to kind of collide city chapters with tony and james here to really have a big impact in the mm-hmm. tribal communities because that's i mean that's really important like the native we've, peoples 
we've yeah. uh, we've got all these initiatives and all of these things and all of these movements that we're starting within ourselves, you know. But mm-hmm. we need we need our allies involved. We need yeah. people from other races, whether black, brown, white. I don't care what race you come from. We need mm-hmm. these allies around our missions, around our movements, like to really raise that awareness, you know, to a larger scale. So, so yeah, and the way I look at it too is like you said, for your people to heal well our people need to heal too for the hurt and pain we caused your people, you mm-hmm. know, and like for a man like me to be involved in making any kind of amends that I can to help your people out is me healing our, our DNA, healing mm-hmm. that trauma that we caused others, you know? Um, so that's the way I look at it too. You know, it's like, how, how can I reverse that, that script you know that was one section of time and part of the story but the story that i'm trying to build with city chapters is really talking about these hard topics of what's going on in our society where we've done people completely wrong and how do we fix it that's really what i want to do with city chapters and that's the reason i'm doing this podcast to have these type of conversations already like i'm just so thankful that i'm doing this podcast because we're having this conversation where in other formats of just sitting around it's really hard to lock in and focus sometimes but when we can do a podcast me and you can just sit across from each other and have these real conversations yeah and we can really dig into topics than if we're just kicking in our texts are going off or whatever's going on you know all these other distractions and now we're like nah man we're zoned in like let's let's talk about some realness it's like i posted today about ts i known him for years but the time that i sat down with him i learned so much more about him in that two hours than i had known about him in the years previous you know right so it's just like i'm just so thankful that I'm doing this and that I found Spokast and that I got you here, bro. Right. Like this is. It comes around full circle. And I yeah. feel like, like these conversations, like at these tables or dinner tables or wherever we're at, like individually, these are where like the real healing happens. Like, yeah, we can, mm-hmm. we can, we can hope and we can, we can pray for all this legislation and all of these things, but from a government entity, we can't be seeking healing from the government that's still oppressing us. Right. Yeah. Our real, real full circle healing are coming from these table eye to eye conversations of the community people that are in our face every day. Like right. that's how we build a better community no like doubt. from within, you know? Yeah. So I'm excited to build with you, bro. Thank like, you, on the man. real, on the real. Yeah. yeah. Me too. Um, I feel like we're all entering into a, a summer, summer at different places, but with our immediate like crew, like we got some people that are about to break through to some major, major, major things. Right. And, uh, you know, it's been a long process for me, but uh, I'm back in a place where I'm like, I see exactly what I need to do and what yeah. I have to focus on to get city chapters to where I believe it belongs, you know, but that solely rests upon me, you know, and it rests upon the mistakes that I've made and the changes that I've had to make, but I've, I've worked hard on that, man. And I just see there's so many opportunities for me to now take city chapters into the realms beyond clothing that I'm, I'm starting to get really, really stoked and excited for because I, I need it for my own life you know like the reason i really did city chapters too like 
and not initially, but over time, as I realized, like I didn't have a real community of people around me when I started City Chapters. Okay. And I feel like it's now forming. Um, it's starting to take root. But initially, for a long time, I hadn't felt that way. And honestly, until probably this year or maybe within the last year, have I really felt and seen the community that I've gained from me doing City Chapters. But that's why I did it. I did it because I didn't see a real community. You know, I didn't, I wasn't part of a real community. All my friends that I used to hang out with, they weren't really my friends. Hey, it's cool. What's up? Good to see you. Let's party, whatever. Right. But I don't, I need more than that in life. I need people that are really invested in the betterment of myself and themselves too you know and if you're not pursuing that and it's just like yo it's not that serious like life's work and it is that serious because i'm not trying to pass through here just to pass through like i'm trying to pass through and make an impact you know like and 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 i want to be able to look at myself and know that i've really built something that was real, you know, around me that impacts others around me too. Yes, I, I just don't want surface level things and I don't, I don't want money for money's sake. I don't want any of that. I want to, honestly, I just want to build a, a amazing, strong community of amazing individuals that spans across the world. You know, yeah. that's why city chapters is oh, that yeah. like each of these chapters of different people from around the world. I want to learn from, I want to know and uh, I want to be able to sit down at tables for to break bread and right. just look around this table, whatever table I'm at, and just look at these individuals and be like, look at where we're at. Look at right. Like, right. who we are with. Right. And that's really like, my dream. Right? I, to- I totally agree with you, bro. Because here's like the thing is we can say all day, oh, life is miraculous. You know, it's, just, it's, it's a miracle. <laughs> right. But like, how are you living every day? Right. Like, yeah. like the, there's the, I, I write this poetry, right. And there's, and there's this line that was saying, you know, life in and of itself is miraculous, but our real power as humans comes from the way in which we live. Right. Like I lived in this fear, in this depression, in this low self-worth all the way I mean, I still have, I battle it, but it really overtook my life. Maybe the first 32 years of my life, you know, I'm 39 now. So really I'm, I'm a baby, yeah. like seven years in this like flourishing and growing. Yeah. And, uh, in those 32 years, I've got 32 years of life that I, no purpose. I was living without intention, uh, and any of that. And now lately I have, and I go, okay. Like I, I'm, I'm doing this stuff with like reckless abandon because I realize we're here for a finite amount of time. Yeah. And it's like, how do I want to live my life every day? And what type of mindset do I want to go into every day? And my mindset now is like every single day I ask myself, like, what is the quality, the quality of my day? What is the quality of my thoughts? What is the quality of my life? Mm. Because that's, that's all that matters. If you're living a beautiful quality of life every day, right? And your mindset is community. You're living that, that it's exuding from within you, right? 
it's a line that universe is going to answer dog. And it is in a powerful way, man. You got yeah. jazz, you got TS, you got me and all these other people I don't know about, yeah. you know, and all your partnerships that you're building. Like you just said, you didn't have community when you first started this brand mm. and now you're building this powerful community. And now it's way beyond a vision of just having the dopest brand that wears the tightest gear out there. Mm. It's this, worldwide like i want to make impact i want to create change right yeah. and it's coming like without having a beautiful quality of life every single day how are you going to achieve that dog you know what i'm saying that's a great question and that's a question i've had i've had a hard time with over the years of me owning city chapters because it goes on to like moving on or moving forward like i've even since I started City Chapters, I've changed when I by the time I started City Chapters, I had changed my life night and day from the way I was living previously, you know, and then it's been night and day since I've started City Chapters to where I am now. But I've been dealing with a lot of internal trauma, PTSD, things right. that I really wasn't acknowledging or facing from my past and the damage that I've really done to myself in my early years. Yes. You know, like I did a lot of damage to myself and I've never been one to like be able to like ignore that and just put my head down and work on city chapters to, to, forget about what I'm really dealing with. I know people that do that, but for me and the type of person I want to be, like I put those things first and I've made a lot of mistakes. And when I make those mistakes over the last few years, they hit me hard and I take them. I don't take them. I don't like people have always told me, don't be so hard on yourself, but you don't know what I want and what I want to achieve. And for me to be the type of person that I have to be to accomplish what city chapters is going to take to build that type of community. Yes. First and foremost, I got to be living right. I got to be the right type of person. I got to be in alignment with myself. If I'm not in alignment with myself, if I don't respect myself, if I don't love myself, if I haven't forgiven myself, how could I even think about being a part of building a community that's mm -hmm. going to be positive at least, you know what right. I mean? Like, right. and um, so I've put those things first and uh, you know, our culture tells us like, you need to, you need to just be always doing this. And I, I talked on this with a podcast before, but it's like, you always got to be moving. You got to be dot, 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 dot. But like first and foremost, before you get into that game mode, you need to make sure that your personal life, your personal, your, your spirit Everything with yourself is in alignment. Then right. you can activate that mode where you're like, yeah. all right, I'm good there. Now I can bop, bop, bop. Now I can hit stick this. I move. can do that. Stick but if move. you, yeah, if if you're not good with yourself, then you can't really build something amazing because you haven't built yourself first. Like, how right. can you build something if you haven't built the base? The base is you. Everything is going to be built upon you. Right. You're the builder. You know, right. you're the foundation. And we all know that, right? That term, you know, you need to have a strong foundation, right? And, if, and so, like, I've put my foundation, me first, and now 
again, I've been living for, I've been living good for a, a while now. I've been living right. I've been living in alignment with the ways that I think I need to, to be the type of person I want to be. And now the doors are opening up again. And this podcast comes to me, you know, in the perfect way that I needed it to release it. Right. And now we're having these type of conversations, which I know are going to be huge for individuals, you know, Big like time. people on the res, that ain't never heard of city chapters or don't know about me, but they can now listen to you speak in this format and really learn from you um, and the things that you're dealing with or anybody that's going through certain things like you've been through, man, like they can learn from this conversation. And I, and I love what you say about like foundation and moving too fast. I want to touch on that for a second. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, my foundation of my life was built on that trauma, right? So that's what, yeah. like, that was my identifier of who I am and yeah. what I am and what I'm about. So I had this foundation. And here I was, you know, getting out of high school, starting to party, started rapping in, like, 2001, 2002. Um, shout out to, to, to <laughs> On One. Shout out to my cousin Seth. We started this group called Outspoken right here in Spokane mm. long ago, right? Yeah. 2001. I think we put out our first CD in 2002, put out our second CD in like maybe 2003 or something. And then we broke up. But here I was like gaining some notoriety uh, locally, getting played on the radio, you know, performing at parties and like starting to move fast. You know, I started without this foundation though, right? Without this foundation. So all that happens. And I, I started to lose myself because I didn't have that foundation. I started partying and it became about like rapping at the parties so I could be the guy, right? So I could be the cool guy that people wanted to give drinks to, that people wanted to give drugs to. And here I was like self-medicating the pain and all the stuff that was underneath that hadn't been healed. And that turned into a whole line of addictions, dog, from marijuana, alcohol, cocaine, crack, ecstasy um, in those years of my 20s. Heavily, though, coke, crack, and alcohol. And alcohol has been that ever-present one, right? So here I am moving fast, moving fast, boom, getting to a crash. Not into a car crash, but a crash in my life. When I, uh, I went into treatment, started picking myself back up again, started like, oh, wow, I am somebody and said, oh, I want to. And by that time, like just being young and like, oh man, like, oh, I feel good about myself. I want everybody to feel this. I'm going to be a CDP. I'm going to help other people get clean. I'm going to help other people get sober. CDP is chemical dependency professional, someone that helps you guide through that. So here I am like with this, trying to flip the switch and, 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 and be the good guy in the world. Right. And here I am going to school. And again, it's that like, veering off of our lane, veering off of our path. I go back again, bam, start drinking. And this night, like, I don't know, I don't know what it was about that night. Seahawks losing the playoffs. It's back Matt Hasselbeck, Sean Alexander days, you know, mm-hmm. old school. Uh, they losing the playoffs. Here I am drinking in a bar. We go to the Viking. I don't even know if the Vikings there anymore. It is, yeah. It's still there yeah. right next to the season ticket and all that. They're, I don't even know yeah. the season. I don't think season oh, tickets season there anymore. Tickets not there it's anymore. old school, no, you know? So here I am drinking that night. I go into season ticket. And I'm drinking beer the whole night. So I, I leave the Viking because all they serve is beer. And I go to the season ticket. I order like a, like a, um, something with Crown Royal in it. Crown Royal was my drink. Mm. Take one drink back and boom, I black out, you know, and I wake up and I'm in jail. I'm like, what the heck? You know, so this is like a big, like, this is a big thing. So I find out that, uh, 
I left the season ticket and walked to the Taco Bell right there on the corner of Monroe and Boone. Yeah. yeah. And I'm knocking. It's like two in the morning or something. I'm knocking on the drive-through window, you know. And yeah. I and I, I'm at school, you know. So I got a thousand dollars in my debit card in my pocket from student loans, going to class. And they're like, no, you can't, you can't just walk up here and order food. This is a drive-through. Like, I'm gonna call the cops on you. You need to get out of here. So I leave, and I'm living over on the west side at the time, right by Cannon Park, and I make it to that Seven Eleven on Maxwell and Maple, right? Yeah. And and I know this dude that works in there. Like, I'd go in there every day. Like, I'm two live three blocks away from there. It's on the way to school, so I'd go in there and get breakfast all the time, like for weeks. And this dude, I was, you know, I was like selling cell phones on the side and stuff like that. I was about to sell this guy the cell phone and I go in there and, uh, you could see on the security camera, I go back to like where the beer is and it's locked and I come back up front and, uh, and this guy, you know, you can see like in the security camera, he's like, no, or whatever. I'm probably like, yo man, open up that. I'm trying to get some beer or whatever. And he's like, no. And you see me like in the camera go like, what? Yeah. Like turn my head or something like what? And I walked around the counter and I started beating this guy up, you know, like I got a thousand dollars on my debit card. I'm not trying to mess with him or nothing, but I'm beating this guy up and I'm chasing him out of his own store. And mm. this is me being blacked out. And like, you see me sober, like I'm the, I'm the teddy bear dog. I'm the guy that's just wanting to, wanting to, 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 to spread love, spread positivity. So this like alcoholism was my monster. You know, I would turn into this like Jekyll and Hyde type of deal sometimes, especially when I blacked out, I would do all sorts of crazy dumb shit. And, uh, you could see in the security video, this guy under this, this streetlight and I'm yelling, yelling. I come back in and I remember coming out of blackout and there was just this blank screen. And on the bottom right, it said cash. And I hit that and it popped open the register and I took him for everything in that register. I turned around, I grabbed like 30 blunt wraps, like six packs of smokes and two pieces of beef jerky, dog. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they arrested me with. Yeah. And they took everything, but they let me keep all the change, which was really weird. All the quarters and dimes and nickels. Like that was really? in my, yeah, that was in my, that was in my shit when I got out. But, uh, mm. I caught three felonies that night, bro. Yeah. First degree theft, first degree malicious mischief for breaking his hot dog machine. And then third degree assault for like pushing him or hitting him or whatever it was. But like having no recollection, like getting into something like moving too fast without any foundation. Mm. Right. And this is like first time I'm ever getting in trouble majorly, you know, I'm like maybe 23 or something. And because of um, first time, like Washington was just being real lenient. They gave me a first time felon. They were trying to give me second degree burglary and yeah. give me a strike, but, yeah. the, but, but they just kept elongating the case out for like a year and a half, like just trying to get me to slip up. I live two hours away. So like the traveling back and forth, continuance, 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 this, that, this, trying to get me slip up and just hammer me. But I stayed, boom, went to every court date. And that guy, finally, the judge was like, man, you came to every court date. You've been respectful, all this kind of stuff. I'm going to give you a first time felon. We're only going to give you four months in jail. And then you'll get like three years of probation. But like, I feel like if we go light on you, you're going to do all right, man. And you're going to change your life around. And I was just like, man, thank you, judge. And while I was sitting there in four months, they cut funding and everybody that was in jail, when you got out, you didn't have to do no probation, mm. but people that were out, they got their probation cut in half. So mm. when I get out and I report to my PO, they're like, here you go, sign here, you're done. I'm like, oh, done for the day. Do you need a UA? Like, what's up? You know? And they're like, no, like you're done. Funding was cut. Mm. And for me, I was still in that addictive mindset, doc. Mm-hmm. And so then bam, I was like, oh, like- slap on the wrist. And yeah. my boy hit me up and said, you want to go to Montana? 
was like, yeah, sure. I'll go to Montana. And here we are like selling Coke. Mm-hmm. And I only lasted maybe three or four months there. Get a call one day, man. My dad overdoses on heroin in Yakima died. Right. Mm-hmm. Man, take a train home. Right. And the whole time I'm, I'm only selling to like keep this like massive cocaine habit I have going this massive alcoholic habit I got going. Right. I get back to the res, bury my father. My homeboy hits me up five days later. Like you want to go back? Sure. Boom. You get busted right then and there. Conspiracy to distribute over 500 grams of cocaine, 60 month mandatory minimum. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, fuck. I do like three and a half of those. I got a year off for RDAP program, rehabilitation of drug abuse, whatever. You do 500 hours, they take a year off your sentence, six months good time, eight months, uh, or eight months good time, six months in a halfway house. So almost about three years is what I had to do. And, and it, was, it, it, was, it was just crazy though, bro, because in that space doing that RDAP program, they went real deep, right? And it was the first time I had a counselor and I was the first time I didn't have any distraction, any of the noise. There's, there's all this noise that we deal with in life, right? I just first time, I, I only had to worry about me. And it was like, okay, I'm gonna open up. I'm gonna talk about this, man. I have an opportunity. This is free. I got a counselor. I'm gonna do this, you know? And I told her like, what happened? And I started going through these memories and they're like this healing, this, this new foundation, Mm-hmm. was starting to be built right mm-hmm. and i was i felt bad though because i never told my mom i never told my family never told anybody in life mm-hmm. who had done it to me mm-hmm. and i told this woman in prison mm-hmm. I immediately went home and i talked to my mom and said hey mom i want to talk to you about something like some stuff that happened mm-hmm. in my childhood and this and that and she was like man i'm 32 at that time and she's been seeing it since i was three so she was like, oh man, I've been waiting for this conversation, James. I've been waiting. Like, let's talk, you know, mm. and me like unloading all of that to the person that has held me down the most. And then her educating me about a history of that type of stuff in her life and in, and in their family allowed like space for all this forgiveness, right? Of them, of my family, of each other, like all of this, like it was like, finally I had like a building of a strong foundation to build on. And I really took that seriously, man. And I got out and I wanted to do better. I was doing HVAC and all this kind of stuff. And again, like you talk about moving fast and not having a foundation. I Mm. stopped doing the work to keep healing Mm. and went back hanging out with some old friends Mm. You know, like, like you were saying, like people say, oh, you, you can't you, you run away from your problems and all that. But in some cases you got to, man, it's the environment. Mm. You come back into the same environment and you're trying to yeah. heal. Like where, how, you know, yeah. like I'm, I'm one of those anomalies mm-hmm. that I came back into my own environment mm-hmm. and I changed the environment because I was just tired, mm-hmm. but it came from trauma after trauma after trauma. By the time there's four felonies come home, hanging out with old friends, all that kind of stuff. Bam. Start drinking one night, dog. Again, another night, like alcohol just does that to me. Took a drink of this Coors Light and bam, my whole world went dark. Blacked out again. My girlfriend was bartending at the time and I had convinced her to give me the keys to just pass out. They were kicking me out because I was drunk. Me and a group of my friends would go out to the parking lot and my buddy had five mason jars filled with ever, uh, um, Everclear, apple pie, Everclear, homemade, right? Five mason jars. We finished all five. And I don't remember the first one, bro. 
Mm. And I convinced her, said, look, I'm just going to pass out in the back. Come wake me up when you get off. We've got three hours before you're going to get off, man. Like we're 20 miles from where we live. Like, what do you expect me to do? You know, let me just pass out. Come wake me up. I jumped in the driver's side and tried, tried to drive all the way home 20 miles, bro. Made it two miles from my house before hitting a guardrail going 90 plus miles an hour. Like not the side of it, like through the guardrail. That guardrail mm. went through my driver's side engine, through my driver's side windshield, and like 30 feet out the back of my car, bro. Like my nerve roots pulled from my spine. Three of my five nerves in my shoulder were severed, never to be reconnected again. Both of my forearm bones were shattered. You got this big scar that runs along the whole thing. Yeah. This big giant scar looks like an Indian feather right here. His skin taken from my legs so they could just at least put skin on there. You know, both of them were shattered. And from the elbow down, I'll, 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 I'll never have mobility again, man. It's like, there's that, like that, that moving too fast again, like not having no foundation and even waking up like three days later or whatever it was, like out of like my drug induced coma so that the swelling could go down to my brain and in my, my muscles so they could actually see what the real damage was. And still that wasn't enough, bro. Still I wanted to keep, you know, like whatever. Got into a relationship with a girl and then started drinking with her lightly. Went back into my old habits of searching around the city for some coke. Mm. Doing some coke every once in a while. And I remember going to this casino one night. I asked this homegirl, like we used to get high together. I was like, yo, you got any, you got any white? She was like, no, I got this other stuff though. And it was meth and I never tried it in my life. I had this like... Meth and heroin were like these things that you just don't do. It's taboo, you yeah, know, yeah. Um, especially since my dad died of heroin. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was just low. You know, I got one arm now. I'm just like, fuck, I'm drunk. I just want to, I just want to be high. So I'm like, all right, give me that. And I use meth. And thank God. Thank God I was still on federal probation because mm. I went all the way left. I didn't go back home, stayed out in the streets with, with the peoples, doing my thing, doing just some dumb shit, not calling my PO, none of that. Bam, he put a warrant out for my arrest, man. They gave me like seven violations, seven violations. I said, and I thought, you know, like it was feds, but still like all of my friends had done state. So it was like, I thought the, the violation was oh, seven to 10 days or something like that. It's my first violation. I've been out for a year and a half and give them no, no reason to, to, to think I'm a bad guy or nothing. I'll just yeah. get a slap on the wrist. They were like, nah, you're getting seven to 11 months, my dude. Mm. First violation. I was like, what? Yeah. Hell no. Yeah. And I thought I was smart. You know, I was like, it's criminal mindset still. Yeah. Wrote a letter to the judge like, yo, like, you know, I'm just an alcoholic and I'm an addict. Send me to treatment. I don't want to go to jail. I don't need jail. I need treatment. Mm -hmm. And it worked. Mm -hmm. And the whole time I'm in treatment, I'm still trying to get numbers from dealers or whatever because I'm ready to throw my life away at this point. Yeah. And I called home. Finally, I did like three and a half months in jail. I go to treatment. Second or third day in treatment, we get free phone calls. So I'm trying to call everybody like, yo, I'm coming home in a month. Yo, what's up? Let's get it with it. And I called two of my homegirls back-to-back -back calls and both of them said james i've been investing all this time all this energy over all these years i wrote all these letters to you when you were locked up helped you in the streets like helped you get back on your feet all of these things and for what mm. like, don't call me no more dude like get your life together yeah and i don't know why it was that it wasn't 
prison. It wasn't jail. It wasn't felonies. It wasn't a car accident that allowed me to like lose a part of myself forever. Mm. It was someone saying, look, I don't want to be a part of your life anymore. That made me wake up the next day and go, I don't ever want to hear that again. No one has ever threatened that to me. And it changed my whole life. It changed my outlook going, okay, oh, my community is important to me. My whole 20s, I didn't show that because I was keeping them in bondage through dealing drugs to youth, dealing drugs to pregnant women, dealing drugs to my family, my own dad, dealing crack to my own dad, you know, like all these just low down stuff, you know? Yeah. But it was that. It was that realization that, I don't know, maybe one of my biggest fears is dying alone. I don't, I don't know. I don't know why it was that. But mm. ever since that moment, I haven't picked up alcohol. I haven't picked up meth or coke or none of that hard shit that I used to do. You know, and like I, I get to celebrate five years sober now. Yeah. And it's like this whole new like lease on life because someone like finally uh, hit me with a reality I wasn't willing to face. You know, I was like, okay. I don't know why those quote unquote rock bottoms happen for different people and why mine didn't happen with all this other crazy trauma, but I'm thankful for it because now after that happened, like I was, I was able to build on a, on a foundation that's worthwhile now. And that's not sand. it's not going to crumble because it's a foundation of, of, of that quality of life that I'm living, that belief, like, okay, if I'm going to keep people in my life, how, how do I do that? Well, I've got to, I've got to love life. Mm. And when I hate myself, how do I do that? Well, I don't know, but I got to figure it out. So I just started asking more of my relationships, asking more of myself, um, seeing where I could help in community, being a helper and being a servant rather than being a leader. You know, I think that's the most powerful leaders are the ones that, that let other people call them leaders mm. say, no, I'm here to serve. I'm here to yeah. make this better. Where, where do I fit in? Let me put my boots on. Where do I help? Yeah. Yeah. Like there was a person the other day that was referring to me as, uh, you know, like, a prestigious position or whatever in life. And I was just like, well, and somebody there was like, yeah, that's, you know, like, how does that feel, Bobby? I'm like, well, that's, you know, like, that's for you guys to determine. It's not for me to ever call myself those things. I never look at myself as like a leader. Like I'm, I'm never going to, I try not to call myself a leader. That's for others to determine. You know what I mean? Like, or whatever that is. I don't like to, yeah, speak on calling myself anything. Right. To uplift myself to others, you know, or to give myself a hierarchy, you know. There's no need for it at all. I mean, I think internally you have to maybe sometimes speak to yourself to reclaim that, you know, I do belong in certain rooms, I am a leader or, but those are things you, you have internally with yourself. Right. You don't, and you can say that out loud to yourself when you're giving yourself affirmations. Right. But you don't go out and be like to others, like, yeah, I'm a leader. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like you don't do that. There's a huge difference. There's a major difference, you know? So, um, uh, man, it's you got such a 
such a great story, backstory. Right. And it's exactly what I want to have on the podcast stories like this because you have overcame so much, man. And like that's exactly what I the kind of stories that I I would prefer to have on here because it's I can relate to them in certain aspects. Mainly, I messed up my whole life. Um, others didn't subjugate me to it. I decided. Yeah. I mean, I had one traumatic event in high school that kind of led me on to be angry, but um, and turn against the world or be mad at the world or whatever that was. Right. Um, but from that point on, I really just decided to right. mess everything up for myself. And I'm still dealing with the the after effects, you know, yeah. but I, I feel like I'm pretty well healed now from the damage I did to myself. Right. But for you, you know, and a, and a lot of others, a lot of times people that did live a life like I did, it was because they didn't really have a choice or you know, they really, really did have hard childhood. So like, of course they don't see any other options or way or positive ways to deal yeah. with these traumas. Right. Um, they're put and grown in environments where those individuals obviously did not deal with their traumas well. Yeah. And it's that generational effect yeah. that you were speaking about. I love Even, how you say it, dealing with it. Right. Yeah. Cause I feel like a real power of, um, on many levels, whether it's going to be healing through trauma or whether it's like creating your greatest business idea or um, creating your next body of work or piece of work that's going to be powerful is like, how do you cope with adversity? How do you cope with the things that are meant to tear you down? Like, Stress. what are your coping skills? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that, like, that's huge. Big time, you know what I'm saying? And it was art and poetry that saved me. That was where my coat, that was my outlet, you mm -hmm. know, and I formed a life around that. There was, um, I think it was a TED talk where, um, they were talking about Apple and their mindset. Um, and I took it to heart about like not having a mission statement, but like having a mission or having this, this vision and building a business around that, not having a mission statement and building a business. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I don't, and that was mine art storytelling at the time. I'm like, okay, it's just music. That's solely like motivational speaking music. That's what I am. I identified myself. I pigeonholed myself into this like role. Right. And started building a life around that. And it's grown into this as I've grown, I think into my, into my culture, into my place of my peoples was the continuation of a thought. I'm not just a motivational speaker. I'm not a, just a producer or an artist. I'm, I'm a storyteller and mm -hmm. it comes across in so many ways. And the reason why I say storyteller now is because I come from a native peoples mm -hmm. and one of our deepest cultural like beauties is the art of oral tradition. We didn't write things down. So these stories were more than just stories, man. They were principles, they were values, they were lessons, they were inspiration, they were warnings, they were everything, they were prophecies, they were so much more than just a story. So I, I feel like in hip hop, in music, in what I'm doing now with the dad, 
what I'm doing now in film with TS and Ben Alex and all of these things are just an extension of my identity as a cultural being, as a, as a, as a, as a, as a oral tradition storyteller, carrying it on in a new way because we live in a new world. Right. Mm -hmm. So like cultures are, I think is another thing too, is like, we want to sit here and talk about healing and all of that. It's like, well, a lot of the a lot of the the stuff that brought me into the wreckage of myself was not having a sense of identity and my identity came from reconnecting with my culture my dad was was enrolled Colville my mom is a descendant of the Sam Poyle people but neither of them really instilled a deep cultural belief or, or cultural practices um, in me. My dad was, you know, in and out of prison my whole childhood, uh, you know, really addicted into heroin and, and downers and stuff like that. He taught me some stick game songs and whatnot, but I didn't have that like deep cultural connection. And I feel like now that I've started to grow that in my own life is is where all the magic has started to happen because yeah. I feel a sense of identity. There's a center there now that was never present before. Yeah. You know, that allows me to express from. Yeah. Yeah, man. Cause for me in my perspective, like native American history and being a, a native people is like one of the most badass types of people you could be in America. In my opinion, that's yeah. my opinion. Like, like I just, I just love so much about native culture. Like to me that, in the way that I just think that's like the most badass American heritage you could have. Right. Cause and it was, it was here, you know, way before yeah. us. And yeah. there's yes. just so much about the essences of warriorhood, manhood, introduction in the manhood, have an initiation in the manhood, which we have nothing of that nature anymore. And obviously it's, it's been lost, but like, yeah, you have you have so much to be proud of, and now that yeah. you're diving into it, man, I've, I feel like it makes one hundred percent sense that like you're right. a much better person now because it's right. grounding you into yeah. some real tradition, into yes. real real matters of self to be proud of. Yes, sir. Yeah. And that's the beautiful thing. That's the beautiful flip side of this conversation we've had about this intergenerational trauma, right? Mm. Is there's there's also intergenerational resilience, right? Mm. Like yeah. there were more than 15 million of us on this continent, like pre-colonization. And now there's like, I think less than a million or maybe just a little over than a million. So like, like real genocide of our peoples. Yeah. And like from, from advice from, from one native to an ally here, mm. like- like still be open-minded like to, to all the natives you come across. Cause the beautiful, like the beautiful, like my, my most special part of, 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 of saying I come from a native peoples is it's very unique in, in its, in its peoples that it comes from. There's what over 576 federally recognized tribes on this continent, hundreds more that aren't federally recognized. And each one of those peoples has a different language has different yeah. principles, has different traditions, mm -hmm. uh, initiations into manhood and womanhood, different languages, different stories, different creation stories. Yeah. And they're very unique in their own right, in their yeah. own way. So it's yeah. like this term Native American, this term Indian, you can trace both of those words. These are words. Mm -hmm. Both of those terms can be traced back 
to 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 a date. What did we call ourselves before colonizers called us Native American? Mm-hmm. What did we call ourselves before colonizers called us Indians? Yeah. Right. So for our language, it's skeluch, which means like just human being mm-hmm. coming from the land. Right. Mm-hmm. And each tribe identified themselves differently. We didn't say, oh, hey, what's up, man? I'm James and I'm Native American. Mm-hmm. No, that term came from an oppressive mindset trying to stick us all in the same boat. Right. Without recognizing our, our, our identities. Right. Yeah. And I, this is like me coming into this knowledge three or four years ago. So blossoming mm-hmm. in this new understanding of the beauty and depth of my own culture, of my own peoples yeah, uh, is really powerful to me. So it's something I don't care if you're white, black, native, Asian, Mexican, Haitian, whatever, like go back, like do your research and find out the peoples that you come from because we all descend from tribes, my dude. Mm-hmm. All of us. I don't oh, care yeah. if you're in Europe, London, yeah. Sweden, Ireland. Before colonization, yeah. colonization just happened thousands of years before than here. Mm-hmm. We all descend from tribes, man. What are your people and where yeah. do they come from? What are the practices of those peoples? Because that identity is very strong. Yeah. And we we had actually had that conversation before about how to properly talk about native peoples and i'm glad that i actually made that mistake again and said native americans because that allowed you to correct me and on this podcast all all of us ongoing you know it's ongoing of us learning i reverted back to just saying native american but native peoples is obviously a lot more yeah inclusive respectful yeah yeah big time um and we're learning together, bro. Yeah. So, yeah. There's yeah. no, there's no judgment involved in any of this. This is like us oh, coming yeah, together, know, like teaching it. each I'm, other, you know, course. sharpening each other. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. All right. So you started making a change in your life after you had the phone call with two of right. your um, friends, your homegirls, yeah. your homegirls that were like yeah. telling you, look, James, like, we just can't rock with you no more. Don't your call us until you're yeah. a dirt bag. <laughs> Get it together, dude. Right. Uh, So what did you do to start fixing your life, to stay on track and getting into being an artist again, a musician, a business owner? Right. So I'm cleaning myself up and uh, that's why I kind of say like in some cases like my – whatever happened is sometimes an anomaly um, doesn't always happen very, very often because I went right back into the environment um, that, that I was held in bondage and that I held in bondage the same community where all the addiction or these accidents and all this stuff happened, went right back to the same community. Mm-hmm. And I remember like, finally, you know, I've, I've been to treatment now like three or four times at that point. And finally I come back home and I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm ready for this sobriety thing, whatever this is. And I want to work a program. I want to figure out, you know, what I'm doing. And at that time it was like AA and NA and these things. <clears throat> there was NA in my little community. And I went to that first meeting as soon as I got back out of treatment. And there was one woman, one of my best friends, my sister, Steph, and and, and her son, who's just a little boy, you know, like she had to watch him. So that's the only people there. And I'm like, oh, wow, there's not much of a sober community here, you know? 
but at least there's one person. And she was saying like, yo, most weeks it's only me and my son. Nobody shows up. So I open up the book and I just do work. I don't know. I'm trying to fellowship. I'm trying to create something here, but there's nothing happening, you know? And finally, bam, we just, both of us, you know, had that surge to stay sober and build community. So together we built it up and, um, you know, therefore, I don't know what it is now. I've gotten away from the program, but we built it up to where there was more than 10 people coming at every, we we're holding them like lunch times, three times a week, night meetings. Like we really started to build this sober community. And I remember being home and going like, man, there's no community for people that want to better themselves here. Like, how, how am I going to make it? And me with that strong mindset, how is someone going to make it that doesn't have that drive? You know, so I went straight to to my tribe and there was this uh, there was this gentleman that worked at the treatment center that did these like drug and alcohol awareness conferences and said, hey, I want to do one on your reservation. I was like, all right, cool. So we planted this seed. I went to my tribe and said, hey, we don't have a community for people that want to get better. I went straight to behavioral health, the people that do alcohol and drug abuse, the people that do mental health and all that stuff and said, hey, you got a huge lack. Like you guys have these services in this office, but what about all the people that don't want to come to you? What about the people out there in the community that that don't have that help or don't have the drive or or are ashamed to be seen going into these mental health spaces because there's still a huge taboo of people even seeking help, right? right yeah. So what are you going to do for all these people? Like- I want to hold a drug and alcohol awareness conference. You know, this is something that has never been done, you know, in like six weeks. bro. I'm serious. Like from the, from, from that first conversation to the doors opening of that drug and alcohol awareness conference was eight weeks. In six weeks, we raised $46,000. We brought in speakers from all over the world. We brought in uh, these hip hop artists that would come in for our youth, shot this music video, all this stuff. Um, did this sober powwow. Uh, I spoke and told my story for the first time, you know, to my public, to my own people. Had other people come in, share their stories. Had these AA and NA meetings during it all, like four days of just events. Um, we have this uh, community event every year in Nespelum called Millpond Days. Shout out town of Nespelum for your celebration. And uh, they, had, they had agreed to move their whole focus of that year. And we, did, we held it during that same time, that celebration, to a drug and alcohol awareness focus for the town and the celebration. So we did this 5K fun run that was drug and alcohol based. Did this parade and all those same events they always do, but with a theme and with this like vibe around like trying to trying to have this awareness around the 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 negative lifestyle patterns that our people are faced that our family are faced with. Mm. And that was like my first introduction to um to like being an event producer, to um, being a motivational speaker. Or to seeing that music and art um, can have this positive element as well. Like my whole music and all that at the at the early years, it was it was crazy. Like I was nineteen or twenty, so all of my messages were we could talk about love, we could talk about murder, and we could talk about Jesus all in the same album. You know, it was just weird. Yeah. And then as as I started to really go down that negative lifestyle pattern, using coke, dealing coke, drinking all the time, my music emulated that lifestyle. Mm. So not only was I emulating the lifestyle, but I had all these youth that were listening to that music and now emulating the lifestyle that I was portraying. So here it is just like the industry, you know, this fake lifestyle oh, yeah. and people following it, creating this whole culture that isn't real. Mm -hmm. And I was feeding right into it. And when I went to prison, I put everything away. I said, look, I don't want, I want, I don't ever want to go through this again. So 
no music, no nothing. I'm going to live a completely different way, you know, mm-hmm. and didn't pick it back up. And then after the accident, three months after the accident, I remember going to the doctor and my mom, like, again, like I'm the guy that I wear my emotions on my sleeve and she knew something was up. She was like, yo, like what's wrong? Instantly, like I'm yelling, like, I don't even want to be here anymore. Look at me. My life is over. Like, I can't eat soup. I don't know how to wipe my own butt. Like, I've been right-handed my whole life. Now I've only got my left. I don't know how to live. I'm done. I don't want to be here. My life is over. Look at me. You know, and she's instantly, like, crying. Like, yo, like, we're going to be okay. We just got to get through this together, son. Like, called in sick or called in with family emergency. I remember being home just, like, defeated. She's like, look, like, I'm not going to ask you no questions. I'm not going to pester you. But just know I'm going to be here, like, even if it's just to listen, son. And like in that one moment, I was like, oh, like I, I still am worthy of something, you know, like mm. something planted. And the next morning I woke up and I, I went to Beat Stars, uh, which is like, a, you know, a beat leasing uh, website. Got like, you know, like yeah. five thousands and thousands of producers, 40, 50,000 beats. And the one beat that I like is from this producer. Shout out Jay Scott, Perfectionist Music, uh, from Walla Walla, bro, of all places, just right here in the same state. Yeah. You know, so I start building a relationship with him. And I wrote this song that next day about like, like just telling myself like to live another day to like, you've got something to live for, go out and find that, whatever that is. And then sat on it for over a year. Didn't share it with nobody. Didn't have a studio or anything like that. And finally like Tony come Tony Louie, best friend, brother, um, shows up. Uh, I, I'm a, I'm a one handed dishwasher at this point and he's mowing lawns like in this little town of Cooley Dam, like both of us just doing these, like, you know, just, just trying to make a couple bucks, you know? Mm-hmm. And he sees me and he's in, in the parking lot and he's like, man, that old stuff you used to do like back in the day, like I didn't even know that was you, bro. You know, and we've been playing basketball tournaments and we've had this life, you know, that we know each other now. And he's like, I didn't even know I was you until like a week ago, bro. Like, how could I not even know? Like we're best friends. And he's just like, man, he goes, I can sing. I want to do something. And I'm like, oh, geez, here we go. Another guy saying they can rap or they can sing. Sure. Cool. You know? Mm. And he shows me his music and it's like, whoa, this guy's got a voice. Like, like a voice that'll cut through your soul. Like not just a voice, like a voice. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and and then I'm like, yo, I think, you know, and, and he's like, man, I want to, I want to win a native American music award. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, man, I think, I think I got the beat for that. Let's do it. You know, hit my best friend up big D. We used to run in the streets together. And then he had just recently uh, got caught up as well and was going through drug court and trying to rebuild his life and stuff. And he's just like, man, uh, I remember, I was posting, you know, like after that suicide stuff and just saying I was going through it. I like Facebook is kind of like my, my sounding block. That's why like I'm, I'm always just, everybody always says, don't share your stuff, you know, but me, it's like, that's my community that I've built. Like I can't go around and see everybody. So people, whether it's me sharing some of my deep or happy moments, having those people not only insert their own advice or thanks or encouragement is what helps me like, uh, um, like focus my own mind. It helps me feel connected to the people I love. So Facebook has always been my sounding board. And here I am putting out some sort of like 
depressive post about, you know, like suicide ideation because I didn't know how to live with one arm. And Big D just called me up one night and was like, yo, man, I'm going through this stuff. Like, I totally understand where you're coming from. He goes, man, all that music we used to make back in the day, I'd love to try to do it in a different way or something. And I was like, D, I think I got the beat for that. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I put them both, like all of us. And then the homeboy John Crown that shot the music video for it, he was just taking a trip out to Spokane and asked if I wanted to jump in. So I do. And he goes to this studio and it ends up being Panoramic Dreams, which is TS, right? I'm not there to record John is because John's a dope rapper too. Like he shot our video, but he's a better rapper than all of us, you know? So it's kind of mm. crazy how that turned out. But here I am. It's my first introduction. And I'm, I've had a lot of experience in the studio. So I'm just watching him and hadn't recorded in, you know, over six, seven years. But seeing that, I was like, oh, I like his professionalism. I love the way he runs his sessions. He's so knowledgeable. I want to work with this cat. So I just say, yo, let me get your IG. Let me get your Facebook, whatever it was at the time. And, uh, and he did. And we just started talking. I said, hey, I want to come out and record. And we recorded this song, that beat that I got the day after I wanted to commit suicide that I held on to and brought two of my best friends in. We called it Break These Chains. And it was Big D talking about breaking the chains of that lifestyle that he had just gotten in trouble from. Me talking about suicide, Tony talking about his upbringing and all the things that he's trying to break in his life. Like all of us in the same moment, trying to break these cycles, these intergenerational trauma cycles and turn it into this resilience. We shot the video and like we didn't we didn't know what we were doing through any of it. Shot at Native American Music Awards and then ended up winning, you know, in the 2019 Best Rap Hip Hop video. You, know? you guys like, submitted it to it? We submitted, yeah. So it's you a, needed to do that much at least. Yeah, we had uh That's when we met, right? Around that time. Yeah, around that same time. Well, we had we'd done some research and this is like, you know, even before prison and all that kind of stuff, that was a goal that we had. Like, oh wow, we seen this guy, Night Shield. Shout out Night Shield, uh, from the Midwest, who's got, I don't know, maybe like six or seven of those awards, maybe even more. I don't know but he's like you know as far as native hip-hop goes he's one of the godfathers of native hip-hop he's been in the game for over 20 years and stayed relevant this whole time Mm. and uh so we've always like oh wow we see youtube you know like this is when youtube like really isn't what it is now it was like it was it was still new and fresh and um we're seeing this guy perform at native american music awards we're like what the heck are the native american music awards and oh wow we can submit like just started going to the website and figuring out yeah and sat on that information for five or six years you know i'd, I'd given up music mm-hmm. so coming back to it going remembering that going oh maybe we can have other natives hear this stuff maybe we can get an award bring it back to our people because something that happened during all this is there's a there's a there's a, a gentleman we all we all love, highly regard by the name of Jim Boyd, who ended up passing away. He's one of our tribal councilmen, but he's got the Lifetime Achievement Award through the Native American Music Award, an international touring artist. So he was our like our one peak of what it was like to be in the entertainment world, mm-hmm. right? And now Ben Alex Dupree is that Hollywood director that we've got, you know, we lost Jim. And now musically, there's this huge void, you know, we've never been like, and that's Tony's uncle, but none of us have ever been like, oh, we've got to fill Jim's shoes because there is none, you know, he's Jim, like, Jim is Boyd, Tony's uncle, Tony's uncle. Okay. Right. So his mom and, and Jim are brother and sister. And, uh, but it was not like, so he always been grown up ever since a little boy with a guitar in yeah. his hand and singing. That's why he's got this soulful voice. It comes from a very musical family. But none of us ever felt like, no, we got to fill his shoes. But we felt the void when he passed of us that were musicians. Like, who do I look up to now? Mm. Like, 
What do I, how, how do I navigate my own path, you know, in music? And that's what we started to like, not to fill his shoes, but go look, like, how do we navigate our own path? Let's start doing that. And the first one was that Native American Music Award. And now it's like, how do we continue these paths of storytelling, you know? And it was really the pandemic that brought us into film. Like, none of us ever wanted to be cameramen or anything like that. It was not having access to cinematographers, not having access to certain people because we were isolated. TS and I made a conscious decision to go, how do we adapt? How do we pivot with new age warriors? We do everything in youth. We do everything in community. And now that we don't have access to that, how do we pivot? So let's do so in film. And as soon as we made that change, as soon as we clicked that up, like a month later, Ben Alex called me and said, hey, man, you guys won that Native American Music Award? I got this film. I'm the narrator. I'm doing the music. It's one of our oral tradition stories of Sister Wolves. And uh, I'd love to see you guys do the sound on it. Give you a shot. So we did. I brought in this, uh, my homeboy, Two Shields from North Dakota to narrate it. TS did all the mixing and mastering and getting it all together. My boy Talon, uh, Bazil from the Midwest, Darby, Noah, like our whole crew, like touched that piece sound wise. And, and it ended up, like he, like he said, winning LA skins for, for achievement in animation, official selection, American Indian Film Fest in San Francisco, official selection in, uh, New Zealand at the, at the Maori Film Festival. And it like, it allowed like TS and I both go, Oh wow, we're, we're in film now. Like we're, we're expanding our vision in production in music. And mm-hmm. it like, I don't know, like it just continues to evolve and like turn into this like snowball going downhill, the larger it gets. And like, um, I love Ben Alex's approach to these accolades. Cause we can sit here and have these long list of like awards and things. None of that really, means anything like personally it's not like huge like oh that's you know chipping my cap brain like none of that have that mindset what it gives us access to are larger pools of money or larger grants or larger opportunities because our stories like with each accolade we go man i want to tell a more powerful story i want to tell i did a five minute film now i want to do a 15 or a 30 or a 50 or a 60 or a full feature 120 minute film it's like you see these ones in Hollywood, these are like fifty, hundred million dollar films. You know what I'm saying? Here we are fighting over a five thousand dollar grant to create, you know, mm-hmm. like it's where's the sustainability in all this, right? How do we keep creating as artists when there's no sustainability to keep it alive? So for me, the accolades are like, okay, power for grant writing, power for opportunity to grow as an artist, as a producer, as a storyteller, to keep creative control of my own stories. That's the one thing that is, that's why I go indie. That's why everything is done in-house because creative control is like, for me, that's the only way I can, I can create. I've got to keep control of the content of the story. I don't want, uh, I don't want other people, the Robert Redfords or the, or the, or the Kevin Costner's telling my story anymore. We are natives. We can tell our own stories. We need to keep control of our stories. Yeah. Right? It's massively important. Black, brown, Asian people, we need to keep control of our stories. We have powerful mm-hmm. storytellers from our own people, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's especially true for Native people, so more than more than um, others, you know, because obviously there is just a major gap there compared to with even Blacks now. You know, Blacks have reclaimed a lot of that yeah. power, Um yeah, but you haven't seen that 
yet in native culture in a in a mainstream impact huge way yet which, which we are now which though, you are yeah. now yes yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly so reservation dogs thank you sterling harjo yeah taika watiti and yeah. uh shout out chad charlie the bro he's he's writing for them now and like people from up here you know cool yeah and, See, uh, and yeah. Yeah, yeah let them know let them yeah, know let them know like yeah. and let me know you know mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> let me know too that's right but yeah, now it's starting to come to fruition, which it really is is much deserved and needed, and long time coming. Long time coming. Yeah, man. Tired of other people telling our stories. You know. Yeah, it's it's so cool to see mainstream go. Oh wow! Like native stories from native people are funny, and oh, I can understand them. You know, whereas before it was just I don't know. It was like this whole separate thing, and. Um, wasn't accepted, you know, and now we're starting to see this more and more kind of chasing horse in, uh, in fashion and be yellowtail and, uh, Jamie Okuma. And we're starting to see these like mainstream, uh, whether it's fashion, film, music, you know, snotty, it's not, uh, the, the snotty nose res kids are, are making a big Travis Thompson, you know, mm. window rock, you know, he's part native. We got these artists that, that are, yeah. So we got these artists across all these different mediums that are starting to like, wow, they're breaking into these mainstream uh, uh, avenues. And, and we're starting to, to not only like uh, make our way into these spaces, but hold the space. You know, we deserve mm-hmm. to be there all along. Now that's what, we're, that's what we're finally realizing and seeing. We've had the power all along and now we finally have the opportunity. So for me, it's the most beautiful time to be a storyteller. It's the most beautiful time to be a filmmaker, producer, artist, because the world is accepting our stories finally. Mm-hmm. You know, so it empowers me to want to want to grow that vision in every single facet in film in production in music that's why i'm chasing all avenues yeah i mean and really in a short time since you really made that transition all these things have come together yeah, for you really, <laughs> it's pretty I can't, yeah pretty I can't, wild i can't huh? even fathom that or yeah. understand that and i don't know what the source of that is or but it's uh i mean 2019 to now i mean we're talking for we're talking three years three years three years dude (laughs) off your first song that you made with your friends you guys get an award which then just causes put me on the radar of the band you know put me on the radar they these guys have been in the game for 12 or 15 years and it was that like with the dat with the dat these accolades come and 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 they go, oh, wow, here's another native, you know, doing what they're doing. And they had a vocalist at the time, but the vocalist and them were both on this trajectory of like just success, you know, to where gigs and things were starting to conflict. Mm. And they were just like, look, like, we love you, but we got to, we got to, we got to part ways. We got to do something because we're starting to lose money as a band as all these conflicting things. And then they give me this call they're like, yo, do you want to, you want to come give it a shot? And like, I've never performed in a band. All this stuff I've been doing has been production work. Like yeah. Even that is music videos and stuff. Even live performance, I'm still a baby. Yeah. So it was crazy to be even given that type of opportunity. But but having the sense to go, uh, I can step into it. I'm going to believe in myself enough that I can learn along the way and I can make it happen. I'm a big believer in the in the in the in the act of doing. Right. We can sit here and talk and think and all that kind of stuff. But the real magic 
comes from the act of doing. That's where I found all of my, like, I can, I have all this knowledge, right, in my own head. And it's the, the putting the knowledge into action, putting movement and motion into that knowledge that then and only then will it become wisdom, the experience. And that's what I'm in search of. I'm not in search of knowledge, knowledge. No, I'm in search of wisdom. I want the wisdom to, to know how and when to do things in any type of situation. And I only will by the act of doing. So it's like a lot of these things are me saying yes to the universe. And the universe is answering. And I can't be any more thankful than that, you know? Mm. So huge shout out to Dadat for giving me that opportunity. And it's taken this whole thing in a whole new stratosphere. Um, the summer is going to be crazy. Uh, we got we got booked for a few different big things. Um, we'll do our first album release uh, at the beginning of June. And we'll do six or seven day run in New York City to release the album. Um, playing at New Jersey Performing Arts Center. You know, Harlem Jazz Museum, the Smithsonian. Like, these are big <laughs> venues. New Blue with freaking DJ Logic. Wow. Julia Key from right here opening up with us. Amazing, like, like Rico Jones. These are like major cats in the game, right? Yeah. And uh to be able to create with these types of people is 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 been amazing, you know? And then boom, we 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 end that, right? Take a couple days break on another couple tours, and then we do this like six location Bureau of Land Management, South Arts Jazz, like six national monuments we're performing in front of, right? All June and July. And in the middle of that, I'll break off. And First Peoples Fund, that artist and business leadership, they're the ones that have really taken care of me. So July 1st, this is huge, y'all. Like being one of 50 artists, native artists, to grace the stage at the Eisenhower Theater at the Kennedy Center, dog. The only Colville, right? I'm going to go represent my people at the Kennedy Center and perform. Like, it's, it's like, what? <laughs> Washington, like the Kennedy Center, like yeah, it's just holy smokes. It, I don't, I can't understand it all. You know, it's like, and just, just say yes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If it's, and remember this, like even saying no is making your way to your yes. Like me, and it has to be in the right situation. Early on, I was saying yes to everything. And some things were not making my own quality of life sustainable. Mm -hmm. It was taking away from my vision and my purpose. Yeah. So like the act of doing allowed me to go, okay, I'm working way too hard. I'm saying yes to everything. These kind of things don't align with my purpose and mission as a human being. Let me say no to wasn't what doesn't align to me. Let me not say yes to everything that's just charitable work. Yes, still say yes to charitable work on the things that you believe in, on the yeah. people that you believe in. Yeah. But say no, that, that, that what doesn't, because you've got a purpose here. And all that stuff will get in the way. And once I started saying no to that stuff that wasn't, man, the sustainability came. The yeses that were bigger gigs, that I could pay my rent, that I could pay studio space, that I could pay rehearsal times for other people to integrate with me was what has created sustainability for my life. So even the no is making my way to my yes now, you know, mm -hmm. it's like my, my yes is everywhere. Mm -hmm. My yes is in my no. And it's a, uh, it's a powerful place to create from, you know, to have that. So. That's works. amazing, man, man. I'm just, it's pretty wild to, 
be just seeing how things are just taking off for you, man. Like you said, like, what? <laughs> I'm going to be even... performing at the Kennedy Center. Right. Like, and this awesome, October man. with the band, we're going on tour in South Africa, bro. Yeah, like that's what I was. Three and a half weeks or something. Yeah. Peter Gabriel's freaking WOMAD festival. What? Like, that's so cool. The, the stuff these guys are into are amazing. That's why it's like. Have you ever been out of the country before? Never. So, this will be. That's one thing I told myself in prison. Bro. I leave, was sitting dude. in prison, looking out the window, yeah. said, you know what? I'm going to travel the world. It's something I want to do when I get out. Yeah. And like, I didn't have enough money for the passport. So, our drummer, homeboy, my brother, Nick, was like, yo, here's. Here's for your passport application. Like we got to go anyway. So let me, let me help with that. And when that came in, like he was the first one I sent him the picture, like, bro, I've never had a passport in my whole life. I'm 39. Mm-hmm. I felt like a little kid, like I haven't left yet, but I have yeah. the ability to leave now. And yeah. this is in and of itself, a dream come true. Yeah. You know? So yeah. In the last three years, it's been nothing but a lot of, a lot of growth and, and, and still, uh, trying to keep balance in my own life, um, keep balance in my mental health. Um, but a lot of blessings, you know, a lot of, a lot of blessings. Yeah, man. Thankful. Thankful. Definitely a lot to be thankful for. Um, yeah. Do you want to kind of just describe the type of music you are making with the, that yeah, it's um, different it's more different than i've ever ever made from you know like from um from like a hip-hop center background like it's always been the statement of i am here this is my existence this is who i am uh, you know it's like my statement of the world i am here and as soon as i come in these guys are like well this first album you're gonna write to is to a script of a theatrical play that we're going to create and i'm like okay and they're like you're each one of these songs is about the story of this of this young like Dene like the Navajo people call themselves Dene this young Dene dancer who uh his 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 dad's an alcoholic his mom's connected to culture but he feels trapped between these two worlds he's a champion fancy dancer but he wants to be a break dancer so there's like this tradition and culture and this modern western world that is at odds in many of our lives as native peoples. And then there's this whole like wanting to leave the res and go chase your dreams. There was all this, like this felt like this whole story was meant for me. No, I'm not a dancer, but I can connect with this main character and what he's going through. So I wrote this whole album from an external experience. Right. And it's like, so, 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 um, Delbert Anderson is, is our trumpeter, um, kind of him and Nick are kind of like the leads of this band. Nick is the drummer. Uh, Mike McLuhan, Nick Lucero is the drummer. Mike McLuhan is our bass player and me. So there's no chords, there's no piano, there's no guitar. It's very open, you know? So it's perfect for me because I have more of like, not just rap, I can sing as well. So I have this whole melodic type of thing. So it's a really interesting kind of vibe. Like Delbert brings this heavy jazz and improvisation, um, you know, uh, element to the table. Whereas Nick has this more like Latin funk kind of vibe to his drumming. And then Mike is just this, he's this grateful deadhead, you know, and he's got this, just wants to jam and just play for hours, you know? So we've got this crazy dynamic of this like funk and 
you know, like Latin and jazz and hip hop and spoken. Like I, I can't really like. Yeah, it's its own. Nobody can even put their finger on it. I don't like. There's a couple cats that you know um, from the Grammys and whatnot that have been there, and, and they've been around all sorts of music. And uh, lady, lady Gargi Shindy from CMAs, which is classical music. She's just none of them. They're like, we can't put our finger on what this is. I've never heard anything like it in my life. And these are people that yeah. have been around the greatest musicians in the world, you right. know. And then for the for the spirit coalescent stuff, it's me doing spoken word in response to visual art pieces, you know. So all of these new projects I'm creating are totally outside from a hip hop mindset, and totally outside from even hip hop itself. That's why I'm not really a hip hop artist anymore. I'm more of I'm just a storyteller, yeah. and it comes alive in some really weird and interesting ways that I don't know. The universe is still answering, so I'm gonna keep creating from it. Yeah, no doubt, man. <laughs> It's amazing, man. Um, yeah, I mean, that I mean, because the dat is, I mean, I've just read an article from Grammy dot the Grammys dot com. Yeah, they just covered um, me and Delbert. Yeah, yeah, and about that situation at the festival where the promoter felt that he didn't look native enough. Right. And tried to put a necklace, exactly. a, a turquoise neck, necklace on him during the middle of his set. Right. And told him literally on stage, like, you don't look native enough. And, like, no. almost was trying to, like, not have him even get on stage, even though he was already previously booked. But because they showed up in suits and right. this different, she was expecting that they're going to be, like, in regalia, you know. Exactly. And they weren't. And so she was like, well, that's not what I want. Like, that kind of stuff is so ridiculous that uh, that would even transpire boggles my mind that somebody right. would try to do that. Um, and I'm glad the Grammys wrote about that. Thank God. Like that's Big huge. Time. And I bet yeah. that promoter and whoever that lady is needs to, if she didn't that, yeah. rethink her whole life, Big time. what are you doing? Like here's, <laughs> here's like in, in that, I'm glad that you, that you raised that. Cause there's a point I really want, like if there are any natives, that are um that are watching this that are listening to this right now and you come across that and you're at terms or at odds with this like is my art native enough or do i need to like go this certain way just know like whether it's contemporary tradition i don't really care like if if you're native and you're identified you are the indigenous thread in that art form I do hip hop. I do the spoken word and not a lot of times it's connected to culture, but I, it is, it's native. It's native in nature because I am native. Mm-hmm. I'm creating the story. Yeah. Like, so accept that world. You Whatever know what I'm saying? Art this you is, create as a native is native right. art. It's, everyone thinks yeah. that, that we still live in teepees or we got headdresses yeah, that we still that you wear. You have to resemble like, that. We are a living culture. Yeah. We are yeah. a living people. Like, mm-hmm. I wear city chapters. Like I didn't just put this on y'all before I came to the show. Like I rock with Bobby. I got like maybe five of his hats. I got six or seven of these jackets custom made. Like, like I'm, I'm, but, but I am the, I am the expression of a native culture in life walking in Spokane today. You know, it's living, it's living. We, our culture didn't die back in 1492 when the, you know, when people came across us, nah, man, it continues to evolve. We're multifaceted beings. Yeah, you like don't have to fit the mold that they're all. trying to corner you into. That's right. Push that. Yeah, mold. that's bullshit. Push it. 
not gonna cuss much on this podcast, but once in a while for things like that, I'm gonna I'm gonna let it go. You know? Let it go. Because that's what it is. It's that's right. Straight up BS, yo. And that's what this podcast and city chapters is all about. Like breaking down these societal stigmas yeah. and getting to the real truth, you know, or at least attempting to have conversations to get us closer to a truth, you that's know, right. about a deeper understanding of deeper each other. Understanding, yeah. Each other and ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, cool, man. So, like, the dad and you is going around the world, you know? Yeah. Just, uh... It's going to be a beautiful year. Just amazing. So glad the world's opening back up so we're able to, you know? Yeah. And it was really because of their... Oh, yeah. Their foresight Thank and, God. like, all the video content they created, like, during the pandemic that even made it all possible. They right. stayed relevant by us switching into film, by them switching into film. Like, yeah. these pivots have been monumental. Um, so this tour, though, it is a live performance beyond just the band. You guys are telling, like you said, this so story. The beautiful so part about a- the Bureau Land Management one, we're in partnership with South Arts, and they, they gave us this like $50,000 grant to do this tour. And so we partnered with Bureau of Land Management, and we told yeah. them, like, look, okay, you guys, like, you're in charge of these federal public lands, but a lot of them are native sacred spots. So if we're going to select you as a national monument, our whole vision is to go connect with the native peoples from these from these like spots, these national monuments. So what we're going to do is we're going to spend four or five days in each place. We're going to go in the first day, travel day, come in and do a whole research day with the native peoples that are connected to each one of these national monuments and learn about their sacred places, learn about their language, learn about... Um, their peoples, their practices, their their visions, their 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 values, their principles. Because mm-hmm. we're all different, right? Yeah. So we're gonna come and we're gonna learn. And in each location, we're gonna write two songs. Them and their instrumentation, me and the lyrics. I don't know if it's gonna come out in rap, singing, or spoken word. It's probably a multitude of all of it. Yeah. But by the end of it, there'll be six locations, twelve songs. And then during the winter, during because usually we, we, we keep November and December kind of just open so we can all have family time. But this year we're going to go into the studio and we're, we're going to record all of that. So it'll come out with a 12-track album. But the whole premise is it's going to be the indigenous voices and us just being translators of what we learn from them. Wow. And this whole album will be native voices from these public lands that wow. are in control by the, I gotta by the government. I got to listen to that, yeah. It'll be different, yeah. Do you know the places you're going to? Um, Yeah. So we start with um, Canyon of the Ancients, which is in Cortez, Colorado. Um, And I don't know the exact track, but we do, um, we do, um, we go to Warm Springs um, Reservation. um, And I don't remember the names of each national monument, um, but we work with the Paiute um, up in, uh, up in Boise. They got this place called Birds of Prey. Um, So we'll work with the Paiute tribe there. Um, um, not sure which tribes we work with in California, King Range. Um, uh, I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah. And then, uh, Oregon Mountains in New Mexico. Yeah. Um, and yeah, those are the six locations. So pretty much all over the West side. Cool. But it was really cool when he went into that meeting, there was like over 300 national monuments and their representatives in on that Zoom call. Mm-hmm. And from that call, him pitching the idea, like, 89 national monuments and 20 something more like over 120 were interested in this type of, 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 of project. So this may just be the first iteration of us doing this 
for years to come, right? Yeah. There's just so much opportunity for us to, and that's what I love about it is, is the lifting up of indigenous voices, right? The marginalized communities and us just being translators. Hopefully we do honor to their word and their, you know, and their belief system. So. Man, that's so cool, dude. It's different. Yeah, These guys I mean, think all the way outside the box, bro. You're, you've entered into... I jumped dream. in the right bus, dude. Yeah. I just jumped in the right car. I want to thank again, all hats off to the dad, our whole team, our media team, like all these guys and all, uh, and these women, like, uh, have you're a dream done. master, bro. Yeah. Just, I don't, know. Become, I don't know. I mean, you're yeah. living in a dream. So definitely I, I like, uh, you know, Toltec wisdom. I've read like Dr. Uh, Miguel Ruiz's books, uh, Don Miguel Ruiz. He wrote The Four Agreements, The Mastery of Love. Um, But, you know, he comes from the Toltecs, which is um, a society that came out of, like, southern Mexico. Okay. Like, Mayan culture. Okay. You know, Um, but, like, I don't fully understand the Toltec lineage, and but they were basically holders of knowledge and light and anyway they their thought on our experiences it's a dream and how do you become a dream master a dream master is someone that creates his life into a place where he wills things into existence and basically he's living out whatever he wants to live out right he's able to manipulate life to give him what right. it is that he wants to experience. Right. right. And that seemingly is what you've been able to do since you made the transition from your past life to this right. new life. And now the universe is giving you all these, all, all, all the things that right. are dreamlike. Like this is right. like dreamlike, like you said, like I'm going to be performing at the Kennedy, like all these experiences, right. you're about to be on tour in South africa right like this is a dream you know like it's it's i think the biggest part like ts and i talk all the time about manifestation you know it's like um and i think the the biggest thing that has allowed that energy to happen in my life specifically was finally the disregarding of that belief that i don't deserve it anymore you know what mm. I'm saying? Like oh, that's yeah. what overpowered everything. It would stop me short yeah. because I didn't believe I deserved success. I believe I didn't deserve love. I believe that, you know, I just didn't deserve any of that. Mm. So now that that's been replaced with, and sometimes I still don't, sometimes I still self-sabotage. I still got healing to happen, For sure. but more yeah. thoughts than not are now believing that I deserve what I'm stepping into and I need to be in that room. I need to be at the table and I need to be conversating That's, because my representation matters. Yeah. And the, and the universe is always for us, never against us. It's been waiting to bless, mm. but I've always shut it off and said, no, 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 I don't deserve it. Mm. And now that that has veil has started to come down. Oh, wow. I'm, I don't know what the next three or four years are going to be, but I'm excited. I've, I've, dude, I understand that fully, like feeling that you are deserving of great things is something I didn't realize. I really didn't believe in for myself until recently. And because I've shifted my mindset into really like dealing with the traumas and the things that I 
did, the things I was ashamed of and realizing they don't define me anymore. I'm not in the, I'm not living in that anymore. I don't, or I don't have to live in that anymore. I think I was still, you know, and like that I'm good enough and I'm good enough to achieve all these things that I really have dreamt about. Right. And um, yeah, really, really, you know, like you said, having more thoughts that lean towards that you do deserve it than when you don't. And when you do have those thoughts that you don't, you redirect your mind into right. saying, yes, I do. A lot quicker yeah. than before. Yeah, instead of staying in it and allowing the tricks of the enemy to take you down Facts. back to that low negative place. Big facts. And abstaining from negative substances, yeah. which are tools, you know, from my perspective, they're tools of the enemy, you know, like yeah. for especially for certain individuals that are meant to do great things just because you were born with the availability or the destiny to do great things doesn't right. mean that you will. There's choices that you have to make to fall into your destiny in the universe works in mysterious ways and it can only do so much for you. But at the end of the day, it is going to rest on your shoulders and the decisions you make. And, um, Ooh, you know, I fire. think, yeah, I think that, you know, I know for me and, and definitely for you, like that we were preserved you know, we were protected. We yes. were allowed to go through the lessons that we were needed to, to yes. wake us up to the real reason that we were put here, the real reason that we came here, because I honestly do think like I came here for a reason, but the enemy has been strong against me from the gate to keep me from falling right. into my power because we're the type of individuals that have the power to change our environment, to change the world for a great reason, for a beneficial reason. And there, I believe there's forces at work that don't want people to achieve those things, that they don't want that positive change to come about. Right, right. Whether it's physical or metaphysical, there are those forces at work. And, um, you know, that's just, that's just my experience. I don't expect anybody to co-sign or believe with that kind of thought process. But from my experience and what I've been through, I know without a doubt that there's been things at work to try to distract me, to keep me down. But every time the enemy got me to that place, like something came in and, and had grace for me and allowed me to get through that without real destruction. Right. Like I, I, it put me down it put me back, but it also never destroyed me. It, nothing that I ever been through as crazy as it's been and as close as it's been to full on, like being so close to never being able to recover, I really came through those unscathed in the most part. And it's yeah. insane, you know, and like you losing the use of your arm, man, I don't know how many times I was that close to some kind of accident yeah. drinking and driving. Right. And like I've blacked out and drank. I've been, I've been blacked out driving more times than I could even right. remember or Me count. Too. Like, yeah. I have no idea how many times. And I've done some things. I've wrecked cars. Yeah. I don't know how I came out. Oh, some of my best no, friends and family have died. Yeah, I've had drunk a- Drunk driving. Yeah, me too. I've had a, one of my one of my brothers, one of my best friends died from drinking and driving. And I've always, you know, I always ask, like, why not? Like, 
not like why, like I wanted to go. Why'd you save me? Like, no, like why? Like, why did you save me? There must be a reason for it. And as I've gotten older and more mature, and even um, last year I went through something with drinking and driving, but I haven't drank now in about six months. Um, but early last year, I went through something with drinking. And um, once again, I was saved, you know, and like, you know, I, I, I'm so thankful for the way that that whole situation unraveled, because right. it was like the universe was telling me, like, I guess you haven't learned, right? you know, whatever good forces that are at work that were trying to destroy me, they were really close. But, you know, certain things intervened, yep. which to some might look at it like, oh, I can't believe I got to deal with this. Right. For me, I was like, thank God that happened for Big me. Time. Thank God that these forces, this these individuals came in and saved me, yep. really, is what yep. happened. Thank and you for the, that sit the, down. And these repercussions these consequences are blessings that I got to deal with. Yo. They are not a burden. They're blessings. Sharpen my know? whole and, vision. Yeah. And, and, and I lost it for a little time after that again. And then nothing bad happened again. But I was just like, you know, I felt like one, I was having the positive affirmations that I've been implementing. And then my yearning, I've awoken again to like what I need to do for city chapters and there is no room and I've known this for years and years, um, but there is no room for drinking and the bullshit in my life. I can't manage to do both and be successful in the ways that I want to be. And the other thing too, is I've really separated myself from people that do yes. use alcohol negatively yes. and, and party and all that bullshit. I'm, you know, 33 now. So I'm uh I'm just cultivating. And I finally realized too, through the cultivation of like, I don't need these other individuals. I have love for everybody I've ever been friends with. So I'm not saying this to any of them that listen. Like, I think that I'm better than you guys or anything like that. It's just that lifestyle does not work for me. And I needed to move this way, you know? Right. So to each their own, I I'm, I don't think I'm better than anybody. I'm just one person in this world trying to figure things out. And from and the one thing I know I figured out is like alcohol just ruins everything around me and it ruins me. I'm not nearly as a good a person. I'm not. And it, it takes away all the opportunities that I create. Every time I get momentum, it's been drinking, drinking that has taken them away from me again. Me too. And so that's where I'm like, I can't, I can't have this keep happening. I can't mentally deal with me getting myself built up, getting momentum, and then I do something with drinking that just destroys all that momentum. Tired of breaking I, my own spirit. Yeah, I can't exactly breaking my own spirit, man, and right. literally. It has been broken and I've yeah. pieced it back together again. I'm living right with myself and I'm, I've got momentum going and I'm now more than ever surrounded with individuals that have that same yearning, that same vision, that same ambition right. to go on to change our lives, change our environments, change our world. And, um, you know, it's just been a long time coming, but I'm mm -hmm. just glad I've held on and I didn't give up. And there's been times where I've been real close, you know, and right. 
you know, man. And, and that's why having you on was amazing because your, your story of like what you've been through and what you've been able to now create shows people like your past doesn't have to define you. It doesn't have to hold you back. You can overcome it. You can go on to do amazing, great things. That's right. So that's right. Um, I guess we'll start closing it up, but is there anything else you want to touch on? Um, New Age Warriors, do you want to touch on that a bit? Yeah, it was a beautiful um, opportunity for TS and I to come together. There was that, you know, that first video that that we had all created. We won that award on and, you know, creating that drug and alcohol awareness conference was beautiful. But I had a vision of like, you know, I want music to be a part of the speaking and ask TS to come on this tour with me, you know, across my whole reservations, 10 events, six locations to all of our native youth to tell them like, yo, you're worth more. Like you can achieve your dream. You can be something yeah. from right here in, in Inchalim, from right here in Keller, from right here in Omak, from right here in Nespelum, from right here in Cooley Dam. You yeah. can be a star. Yeah. You're born to be one, you know? Yeah. And TS has always embodied that message, you know? Mm. And uh, brought him and Lou Erish, shout out Lou. Um, uh, and then we brought Maya Bear Cub at the time of the tour, a junior in high school to tell her own story of both of her parents dying in a drunk driving accident when she was just a little girl. So that flip side, me being the one in the accident and from a family member who lost ones they loved. So really like they get to hear both sides of the tape and then come in with this hip hop concert to like, let's alleviate all that heaviness and let's show y'all in the moment, going to a concert, laughing with your friends, doing this stuff like IGN and all that stuff. This is always, this is also ways to, to positively cope with what you're going through in your own life right now. Music, concerts, hanging out with your friends and doing so in a positive manner, alcohol and drug free can also be a way you heal. And we just looked at each other after the first event and went like, we got to connect, bro. We're doing something powerful here. Mm. What are we going to call this? Like we're warriors, but we do this in a new way. Cause we said, yeah. okay, we're not that warrior. That's going to hold this all in and be the guy that just yeah. carries it all and doesn't share. We're going to speak about this. We're going to speak this into existence. I'm going to speak my truth out into the world. I'm going to allow you into my space and I'm going to model vulnerability so that you know that there's a safe space for that as a male. You know, we want to do that from a man's perspective because there's so much saying, no, you don't do that. We don't do that here. Yeah. You know, and that has evolved into all of the beautiful community work we've done. It's evolved into this, um, you know, all these residencies that we've gone to, that we've held for other people. All of these film awards have always been from that mindset of the New Age Warriors, you know, and like Tony has been an, an, an excellent addition to that. Nephew Noah, an excellent addition to that. Darby, you, like we have like LQ, we have the like, you know. Uh, Calum with Wave Beats. We got, you know, Ben's coming into the picture. We got Derek Lemire, another native filmmaker that we're trying to work with. We got all of these different people. My partner, Mora, that we're doing dance and stuff with. There's, there's, there's this whole collective of people that is like making that statement that there's a new way to live. There's a new way to, to, to be a warrior in today's world. Mm. And so that's just like, that's our mission. That's our values. And now we carry it into. Like I say, in that storytelling form, it's not just hip hop. It's not just film. It's not just music. It's whatever avenue we want to, we want to approach that day. There's a story to all of it and we want to tell it. Yeah, man. 
It's amazing, dude. I can't wait to have you back on. It'll be fun. I honestly, I, can, just, I don't even think we got through some, you know, some really <laughs> yeah, powerful yeah. stuff. So, so, yeah. so right. come back for the next six hours. I mean, yeah. so. <laughs> next time it might be six hours for right, real. Right. <laughs> um, all right. Well, we'll wrap it up. Yeah. Let's do that. Till next time. Till chapter time. four is continued right. uh, with James Pacotis. If you didn't notice, my brother. Thank you very much. Yeah, James Pacotis, if you didn't notice, <laughs> we're out. I'm your host, Bobby J. It's the man right there. <laughs> If you pay attention, you'll see what I'm kicking. I'm wasting your money by saying it twice. Shit is a game, you wanna complain, you blaming your L's on the dice. Mama just whipped up the cobble, so I had to call it a reserve a slice. <laughs> Whole fam gotta eat. Toes now don't get fed. So all I had to do is speak. Now I'm talking myself in the bread. And y'all been talking me disease. Sleepwalk.